Hi there. Welcome to the Joyful Rebels podcast. We've got Claire and Donna Thomas here, your mother-daughter duo. And today we're asking the question, does your personality change as you age? Now, for... I'm waiting. I'm imagining all the people, if you're sitting in your car, sitting there listening, like, you know, you you got your hand on your chin and you're nodding like, mm-hmm, yes, okay. Uh, that's what's going on in my brain. But anyways, for decades, scientists have said that the answer was no. At 30, everything is fixed, set in stone. And maybe you have examples in your life where you've, you're around people, you know, some people you're like, oh, yeah, uh, They seem to be fixed. They've been this way forever, as long as I've known them, and they've stayed that way. And that's an interesting observation that we're going to tackle in a little bit. But the truth of the matter is, our personalities are always changing. And that idea of it being fixed and set at stone at 30, that's gone out the window. Now, if you're not reading through more recent psychological papers, or even, you know, if that doesn't come up in your newsfeed, then maybe you didn't know that. So... I would say the overall tone for me when we're talking about this topic is hope. I find it very hopeful to know that our personalities aren't set in stone at fixed by the time we hit 30 years old. Some of our traits, our dominant traits when we're 11 may still be our dominant traits when we're 80 years old. But there's a lot of different ways that they're tempered and toned, some going up, some going down. So if you're going to take anything away from our discussion today, it's really this idea that, yes, our personality can change as we age. And I'm viewing that as a good thing. Now, mom, this is an interesting topic because, you know, usually we kind of explain the backstory. And um, if you've been listening along with us so many times, it's, you know, I'll introduce a topic and, and mom, you'll be like, that's so weird or that's so cool. I was just thinking about this this week. This just showed up for me. Like it's, we've really been in alignment with a lot of these topics. And this week I thought, you know, it was, it was interesting. I'll say the responses. I don't know if you want (laughs) to share that part of the story. (laughs) Well, first off, I, you know, we, if you, again, if you've been hanging around, um, you know, that we, we have two generations of women right here talking about a topic. And so often we learn from each other. There's a great back and forth. And sometimes we'll have just really differing opinions to start. And that's what happened with this topic. So initially, when we were chatting it back and forth on text, it's so funny because I love it, Claire, when you push back and you're like, you know, to be honest, I did not think that. I do not (laughs) think this way. And it's, you know, very respectful, great discourse. But that's what I think is happening to a lot of us that are listening. You might hear a topic and you have, you have some feelings about it. And I had said, uh, probably on the podcast, but I know I've said it in real life that I think sometimes as we age, we become more of who we are. Like you go, you fall deeper, not fall, you walk deeper into some of the traits that you have. And, and, and that's not even a fair and complete statement, but even that one, you're challenging. You're like, no, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. And what I, I do love that. And so if you're listening, if you're new to listening, this is a cool thing that we do have going for us is that we have women that are, you know, 30 years apart in age, basically, that this is you know, maybe not that much because um, I had you as a child. But uh, that I love that there's not only is there a starting point for where we think about things, but then there can be changes and adaptation given research, which is why there's always this great peer review research that that Claire, you pull so that we can find out what really is 
the truth and what are we finding to be the new discoveries so that maybe people like me aren't walking around with a thought that I've had for a while because ultimately here's the bottom line for me. We talk about all different kinds of topics here and not just ones that are in a certain lane. They're really a broad category of ways that we show up in the world. And whether this is top of mind for you now or not, it's interesting conversation because when you need it or when it strikes a chord in your life, you'll have this information in the back of your head. So I'm glad that we're having this discussion now because as you said, Claire, it's very hopeful. And it's super easy to look at kids and be like, look how quickly they're developing. Look at the ways that they're showing up in the world in in their little bodies that as we're trying to not put the guardrails so tightly that they can't develop, but we're noticing patterns and, and trends. It doesn't get celebrated or examined so much or talked about as we get older. Unless it's negative. That that's where my feeling was that, you know, like people being really cranky and grumpy as they get older. I mean, that is a thing, but that's not everybody. And the hopeful part of it is that as we have a desire and we get more aware, we can influence how we show up in the world in every stage of our life. And I love that. And I love that it's backed by science. So Claire, as always, thanks for pushing back. This is really a good thing. This is why we have tension in the relationship here to find out where are my biases? Where are yours? And if you're listening, like where, where do you land with that? Because we're going to take a little journey over the next few minutes, and maybe all of us are going to come out just in a little different space. You ready to go? Yeah. And, you know, I think if we go back to when the podcast started, and like you mentioned, Ron, we've covered so many topics that we tended to trend toward topics where we were initially in agreement. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, this topic. And so I think as we've gone on, you know, past the year point, episode 60 something at this point, um, we're going into territories where some of our differences are showing up. But it is cool that there can be the conversation. And to go back to what was said, that we become more of who we are, um, there is research to show, again, that, you know, we do tend to settle in, if you will, to the traits that we display when we're young. It doesn't mean that they stay completely static and stable the entire time. But if you're extremely introverted when you're young, you know, you're probably not going to be extremely extroverted when you're older. Um, And there's one psychologist talked about this idea. So, mom, after we were talking and I said, you know, because my response was, I feel like, no, I feel like we do have this ability to change. There is something called the pickle principle, which is an unpleasant version of the maturity principle, which we were just talking about, where you kind of settle into the traits that you've been exhibiting. But, um, it's, it's what we would say, the people that kind of have gotten crankier, grumpier, because they have maybe a fixed mindset. This is how they've been. And so they settle into that. But again, as we're going to say in a couple of minutes, that doesn't have to be. That's not set in stone. But some of the research that I really liked, I just want to, you know, go through it kind of quickly because there's a lot of it. But we do. Mom, you said we talk about young people and how they change, but young adults and people in old age, both are equally susceptible to these changes in personality. Mm. It's happening young and old. Um, And some of the things, some of these traits that tend to increase, so again, everyone is different, but if we're looking at trends over time, calmness goes up, self-confidence goes up, 
uh, leadership qualities, social sensitivity. So being able to read a room, increase social connection. These are traits that tend to increase with age. Um, older adults tend to exhibit more empathy and more emotional stability overall. So we talk about emotional stability a lot on the podcast, just this idea that I don't want no unhappiness. I don't want to be happy all the time, but I want to kind of be able to ride in the middle. So my highs aren't super, super high. My lows aren't super, super low. And so this ability to ride that wave right in the middle, that ability increases as we age in general. So I'm, I'm all down for that. I like that. Um, so there is a ton of research. And again, you know, several studies over decades looking at it now. And, you know, our dominant traits that we have might still be dominant, but they're not going to be as strong. But what's cool, we can get into it. Let's say that you're like, what can I do then? I'm noticing these traits that I have. I thought maybe that this is just how I'm going to be. And that kind of feels dismal and down. You can do something about it. You might have heard us mention it before, this idea of neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity. It's your brain's capacity to continue growing, right? To be able to evolve, adapt, and change. At a cellular level, it's actually our nerve cells adapting to new stimulation. And we shared way back when, if you've been following us for over a year, actually a little video of the neuron. You remember that, mom? Like putting out its little tendrils there, the little axons and dendrites, if I'm getting those (laughs) anatomical words right to connect, to reach out, to make new connections. So on a cellular level, this is happening. And one of the things that we can do then, so let's say that you're sitting here and you're like, I kind of thought how I am is how I'm going to be. Or I know people that act that way, how they are, they're becoming more of who they are. Maybe I would like to have some say in that, have some influence over that. I Mm -hmm. would like to find more joy. I would like to learn to do something new. And now we're telling you, Absolutely. You can do that. So what can we do? You can do what's called opening a window of plasticity. And I love that because mom, you say sometimes, you know, let's find another doorway there. Like if we're talking about a topic, oh, we talked about that in terms of confidence. Now let's look at it in terms of joyfulness. Like it's just, it's this idea that we hear out these terms all the time. We hear some of these concepts all the time, but they can be connected. Now let's talk about a window. So what do we want? If we want this neuroplasticity, we want this ability to change, adapt for our brains to grow. We want more of what's called this BDNF, okay? Brain-derived neurotropic factor. Okay, so we're just going to call that BDNF. That is released in your brain during certain activities that we're going to mention. And what that does, I know I'm getting into the science here, bear with me. It's really cool. It's a protein that allows these new neurons that you're creating when you're changing, it allows them to grow and thrive. It allows them to strengthen and connect to other neurons around it and join networks. That's what you need for something to be sticky. Mm -hmm. If you want to make a change, a real change in your life, then you need an increase in that BDNF, that specific protein to basically feed your neurons. It's feeding your brains. It's saying, yes, yes, we want these changes. So I'm going to delve into four ways we can do it. And then mom, I want to hear how that's showing up for you. So the first thing that increases that BDNF is physical activity. By doing physical activity, and now I'm not saying that you need to do two hours of yoga or a HIIT class, walking, 
moving mm-hmm. your body in some way of physical activity will increase that BDNF or open that window. A second way, doing something new, a novel activity. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be actively doing, like if you're trying to change, oh, I want to be a certain way. That can mean going to play pickleball if you've never played it before. Mm-hmm. That can mean taking up embroidery. You're just prepping your brain there. You're practicing. You're creating these neurons. You're getting your brain primed for strengthening its neural connections. Going along with that play, playfulness. We've got a whole episode on it. Being able to go into that flow state, also great for your neural networks. And finally, mindfulness. Again, you've heard us say it many times. We've got several meditations for you. If you look in the Thanksgiving week, we just dropped a gratitude meditation. Being able to sit in mindfulness, one of the benefits of meditation is to open that window of plasticity. So Mm. I know from our talking Mm. before that those have showed up for some ways in your life and you are the living example of how if you choose and want to change, you can. So I think Mm. that Everyone listening and me included, we would love to hear some of that. Uh, I love this. I love the show before the show. There's so many, so many things that that happen when we discuss, and some of it is I get a chance to make some connections. That uh, anybody that's listening, have you ever felt like you were unconsciously competent about something? Like you knew that this would probably be a good idea, but you weren't sure why. And these two examples came up for me that absolutely feed into this BDNF. And I, and I think of that, that protein to create more growth, it's nutrition on another level. Mm. Like, I love that. Like, you just got to feed your body in all these ways. So one of them, one of the ways that it showed up for me as Claire and I were earlier, were chatting earlier was uh, when I was in grad school, I used to teach cycling classes and I taught one on a Friday night. And what would happen is just because of how my schedule was set up, I taught Friday night and then I needed to go write a paper. And I would try to squeeze it in before I taught. I tried to do it on Saturday morning and I would just, it would take me too long. And I just felt like I was not very efficient. If I taught, if I wrote the paper right after I taught the class, bang, it would be like my thoughts were all in alignment. I was way more efficient. I got great grades. And I started noticing that connection between if I do this, then I can be more efficient and really feel connected, aligned, and and staying with a thought in order to flesh it out for a grad school paper, it was the holy grail for me. Like that to me, and I continued it, and I didn't exactly know why, and now there's a name for it. Now there's a process, and I was like, that is so cool. So, and I try to do that now if I'm giving a speech, you know, if I'm up in front of people, I try to do something ahead of time in order to stay open so that I feel like all my connections are available to me. So I love that to create more growth, setting myself up for success. That was one way. Claire, I'm going to go back to one of your uh, earlier comments on how uh, our traits and how we show up in the world are, uh, you're kind of on a continuum, like how you are as a 20-year-old, you might be somewhat like that still as a 50-year-old, 60-year-old. And I thought I had one of those those, um, ways that I was showing up in the world. And for me, it was uh, being an introvert. And I had a really forward-facing, consumer-facing job. There was lots of people there. And I just, you know, as an introvert, in order to um, recover and regroup, you do that solo. I don't get that much energy. I love people, but to regroup, I need to be by myself. And I, there was a time in my life and it was crippling. And I'm going to say it right now, me drinking wine did not help. It did not help with me being able to stay uh, in a place where I felt energized enough for the tasks that were asked of me. So what I did, speaking of novel tasks, I put myself on a what's called a connections team 
at my church, like a greeter. Like the one thing that an introvert would not want to do. I was like, I'm going to be in front of people. I'm going to greet them. I'm going to say hi. And it's really weird, you guys, but I would still consider myself an introvert, but I would say it's probably 75% it presents itself less. And I'm not trying to get rid of it as with all the traits and all the ways that we show up and all the, if there's a distorted thought or just however, however we are. I'm not looking to eliminate and change completely. I'm just looking to manage the continuum so that I feel good about whatever degree I'm showing up in that space. So again, I don't mind being an introvert. We're awesome. There's a lot of great benefits for being that, but I don't want it to be where I'm so depleted that I have to go into what I would call hashtag monk mode (laughs) after being with people because it was just too much. So I used activity in order to really get my brain to really get it a healthy dose of that BDNF. And I also did some novel things in order to help my brain change a bit to, to adapt to how I want to show up in the world. So there's attention, my intention, my awareness, my acting on things. So it's a, it's a combination of thinking about it and doing something. That's what it boils down to for me. It's not just thinking about it until the cows come home, think and do think and do. And it showed up for me in a couple of different ways. How about you, Claire? I like how you just sum that up, that there's intention is important, but also the action, the doing. And I think when we go back to our text exchange, we ended up coming to agreement. Like we were actually on the same page that if we're talking about our personality and it's changing as we're growing, um, if you want it to change, that is, it's got to be that awareness. So it sounds like, mom, when you were talking about when you were in that, you know, forward facing job, you were put in this position that you didn't want necessarily or choose to do that caused you to have to expend all this energy to be around people. And then, you know, it it took a lot to recover. But Mm -hmm. now you were given the choice. You had the space to make that decision. And so I think that we can't ignore that our traits will be influenced by circumstance and other components you know, things affecting us in our life. Like we're not saying that you have complete control over this, but there are situations when you do. So again, when I'm coming back to look at the topic for me, it's hopeful, but the biggest piece there is awareness. Would you agree? I would say awareness and choice are are side by side on that because when I have a choice and it's top of mind for me, I will make that choice. So that's why we're keeping these things top of mind. So when you get a little oxygen and and a little bit of room opens up, you can make these choices that don't fall down on the priority list because other things are just clamoring to get onto the top because these pay off in dividends. Being able to invest in in how we want to show up, how we want to feel, how peace and ease in our world. These are choices that we're making all the time not just certain times of our lives, but it's ongoing. Absolutely. So for you listening, maybe this is a topic you weren't really thinking about, but you know what? Here's our offering to you. We said some things that we can do to open windows of plasticity. So take a second and decide what are you going to do today to open that window of plasticity? Until next time, Rebels.